0: And welcome to episode five of the US Sports Hub Podcast. My name is Curtis McCosh, and with me I have one of the hardest working journalists in sport. It's Adam McKendry. How are you?
1: You flatter me, sir. I I'm do, don't I? I
0: really do. Um, the thing is, yeah, I mean you're you're recording this podcast today and then you have another podcast to record later, mm-hmm. and you're always at games and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. yeah, one of the hardest working sports journalists. <laughs> I think that deserves a round of applause.
1: I don't like all the, all this praise.
0: <laughs> Um So I, as always, just a couple of things to run over. You can now find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And we would love it if you would hit that big subscribe button and subscribe to us. And like I mentioned at the end of uh, last week's podcast, we're now on Twitter.
1: We are now on Twitter. We're now on Twitter,
0: at the US Sports Hub on Twitter, if you want to follow us and become one of our followers, like our new famous follower.
1: We've got a famous follower. We do have a famous follower. We have former NHL player Zach Boychuk following us. He now plays in the KHL over in Russia. (laughs) But that was really weird. I was just checking up our followers earlier today, and all of a sudden, there he is with a big blue tick beside him. So that's kind of surreal.
0: Um, At the minute, we have... How many followers is it? Let me just quickly check. It's, it's, it's seven. Seven followers. <laughs> I'm one of them, you're one of them, and Zach Boychuk's one of them.
1: It's great. And Who? it's great It's great. we finally caught up with the modern world and actually got Twitter.
0: Yeah, no, sorry. That was kind of my <laughs> fault. I, I was a bit lazy when it came to that, but we did get it sorted. Um, so episode five then, I feel like we've hit a bit of a milestone. I feel like maybe we should have got cake or something like that. I'm we, surprised we made it this far. Yeah, we'll wait till episode 10 before we get the cake out. How was your weekend?
1: <laughs> weekend was good. Um... Again, more sport. You, I think that's just kind of my life now. Um, <laughs> Ulster on Saturday, Giants on Sunday. Um, both teams won, so it was a good weekend for me.
0: Uh, what have you been watching this weekend in terms of uh, what we're going to be talking about? Bit of everything.
1: Bit of everything, mate. Um, NFL. You always sit down a Sunday yeah. night and watch the NFL. Um, it's it's practically a staple of your my Sunday life or Sunday night now. Um, but. Can't take my eyes off the baseball postseason, and then any nights that there doesn't happen to be a postseason game on, you get to watch the NHL. So uh, I'm really enjoying it. Now you've got to throw the NBA into the mix exactly. as well. So I don't have enough time or enough hours <laughs> in the day to watch everything. My Sky Plus is just going to be filled with. Live games that I have to watch back later in the day. Which is no bad thing. It's not a bad thing. No, it not just a means my day is going to be even more full of sports.
0: There's worse things you could be doing with your time. So, uh, as always, if you've never heard the, pa- uh, the podcast before, sorry, what we do is we kind of take the four big American sports. We're talking baseball, American football, basketball, and ice hockey. And we're just doing a quick kind of roundup of everything that's been uh, going on across, across the week. And we'll take a look forward to some of the games coming up now. This is going to be a particularly busy one because the past couple of weeks we've been just sort of covering basketball because it hasn't started yet it actually starts wednesday night it starts tonight. tomorrow night yeah oh tonight of it course Starts yeah. tonight starts tonight um so we're gonna be talking all four sports today yeah where should we go for the start what do you think nfl as always
1: nfl as always i think you have to go there
0: right let's do it we're into week six already and i think it's fair to say this is one of the best seasons i can remember it is so competitive last week we had two teams with an unbeaten record this week it's only one and we'll start with uh, one of the monday night games which is one of your games of the week last week one of the games you were looking forward to and it was new england and kansas city new england managed to end kansas city's unbeaten record and you said it would be a high scoring game it was and it finished with a field goal you couldn't even ask for better than that could you
1: mate you gotta respect my calls i do uh, I, I absolutely <laughs> do yeah this a lot of people were saying that this is Probably going to be one of the games of the season. And if you look at it, it probably will end up being one of the games of the season. 43-40 to the Patriots. Uh, Stephen Gostowski with a field goal to win it with time expiring. Tom Brady, the first quarterback to 200 regular season wins. And the Kansas City Chiefs have had their first loss of the season. So this game pretty much had everything. (coughs) Uh, Touchdowns all over the place. Uh, Thrilling finish, an unbeaten record going... It was just a great way. To end the the or week six.
0: Um, I think when you're looking at the when, when you're looking at the Chiefs, there's like there's not really much bad to take away from it. They, like they played a game against the Patriots, a, a pretty much full strength Patriots.
1: Well, you got to look at the defense, obviously. Yeah. Like you can say what you want about the the offense. Patrick Mahomes again, brilliant. You we've talked about it so much. You look at that receiving core that he's got. They're all they're always going to score points on offense that's a given it's just the defense is not getting it done and we talked about their injuries last week all those guys who went down uh, in one week last week and that really struggled this week in terms of stopping that uh, passing game whenever Brady got going the Patriots were helped by the fact that they had Julian Edelman back you give Brady one of his most trusted pass receivers back and he's going to find those yards whenever he's giving a, he's getting those rights and then bringing in Josh Gordon obviously gives him that extra dimension whenever he goes long down the field so the Chiefs defence just couldn't live with that and that's where this Chiefs team is going to fall down if they get into the latter stages of the season which I expect them to do but that defence is not going to get it done against the big teams and they can't rely on the offence to do it week after week after week and make up for those defensive liabilities.
0: So should we move on to my Super Bowl pick then, which remains the only unbeaten team in the NFL? We're talking about the LA Rams, <laughs> and uh, they went to Denver.
1: Yeah, the LA Rams are now the only unbeaten team left in the NFL after they downed Denver 23-20. A big part of what the Rams did, and this is something we haven't seen from them before this season, is they really <clears throat> clamped down on the run defence, which was very good because that's something that was letting them down a little bit earlier in the season. Now, they're 6-0. and You can't really say it was letting them down. But it was something that needed uh, tightened up. But the problem was they improved the rush defence. But the pass defence suddenly uh, let them down. Case Keenum throwing for 322 yards with two touchdowns. They still haven't found a competent replacement for a keep to leave at cornerback. And that's a huge problem. Because the Broncos just went... They targeted Troy Hill the whole game and to a lesser extent they targeted sam shields as well the two backups and they had a field day out there so that's something that the rams really have to tighten up i still think they have to go looking for a quarter or for a cornerback they can't rely on those in-house options or they have to hope to lead make a miraculous quick comeback otherwise they're going to struggle against teams with better past uh, passing games like the patriots um or like the vikings teams like that Um, but then you look at what the Rams did so well Todd Gurley just activated beast mode yeah Uh, career best 208 yards and two rushing TDs he's helped brilliantly by that offensive line Roger Saffold we've talked about him before on the podcast he had a brilliant block for uh, Gurley's first touchdown and I think whenever you have that security that the routes are going to be opened up for you Gurley can just take his time. He can look for that, uh, for that space, and he can go for it. And we've seen that he's just one of the best rushing, uh, rushing players in the league. Um, and you, you could see that he was gonna have a good game. That Broncos, pa- uh, rushing defense just was so anemic against Isaiah Crowell uh, for the Jets the week before. So he just knew that if Gurley was on his game, he was gonna have a big, a big day. And at the moment, the Rams are looking far and away the best team in the NFL
0: which is uh, great news for me <coughs> excuse me sorry yeah, great news for me with it being my uh, with it being my Super Bowl pick. There's we, a lot of
1: time left to go though
0: there is I mean we're only in week six this is exactly. the thing and like I said at the start it, it's by and far one of the most competitive seasons I can remember and and it could all change like that. Exactly. One thing that I kind of did expect happened in our first London game of the season and that was the Seahawks really really took it to the uh, the Raiders if you're the Raiders, you're not kind of I mean you flew all the way to London you got you got three points you know
1: the Raiders are now part of a messy rebuild whether they like it or not um, due to a combination of injuries and per play and it's a sad thing because they did so well last year they completely bucked the form book last year and had a phenomenal year but this year they just have looked so poor and it's really poor to see you know Derek Carr getting sacked six times in one game last year he was that offensive leader and this year, he just looks like a shadow of his former self. Now that's taking nothing away from the Seahawks, who played a who played a brilliant game in Wembley. But the Raiders are just nothing like the team that we hoped that they might be this year, uh, and that that's not good for the league.
0: Um, just I, I was watching the game. I was watching the the London game, and something they were talking about during the game through the commentary was: is it more? suited to Seattle to come into a rainy Wembley and play a game against the Raiders or is that just clutching at straws for the Raiders Um,
1: I think it's maybe clutching at straws a little bit you you look at the Seahawks and you look at what they do best and that's Russell Wilson with his his ability to rush whenever he needs to and I think that, that suits a rainy day in London but whenever it comes to what he really does best is it's passing obviously yeah. he's, he's a quarterback he's gonna he's gonna be best at passing and you see him passing for 222 yards and getting three touchdowns since going 0-2 to start the season Seattle have looked every bit a playoff team and after that start to the season a lot of people were writing them off saying this is this is exactly what we expected them to be all of a sudden the Seahawks looked like they could be right there in the mix They have Ed Dixon and KJ Wright. They'll be coming back. They have a bye week this coming week. But those two will be back to face the Lions in two weeks. They're going in the right direction. And similar to Ulster Ulster Rugby going to South Africa, taking a team to London for a week and having that kind of a bonding week where you're always with your teammates and you're always seeing them and creating that bond, that can hold them in really good stead going forward. So... Seattle could potentially be a team to really keep an eye on as this season progresses. They're now 3-3. Three and three. You take their next three games and if they can win those three, suddenly they're 6-3 and three and they're three games above 500. There's a lot to like about where Seattle are going.
0: Um, and Seattle, I suppose, usually one of those teams you do see in the postseason. It wouldn't be strange to see them there and they know how to handle themselves in the postseason. So,
1: you never exactly. know. Exactly. Pete Carroll in charge as well as uh, a guy who's been there and done it
0: we should move on to Jacksonville then because Jacksonville's defence should be up there but it, it just didn't work for them this week did it they uh, they had the cowboys and they got hammered Everyth- 40 points to 7
1: everything coming out of Jacksonville to start the season was look at our great defence look at yep. how we're going to shut down teams and it, it worked for the first few weeks but suddenly this Super Bowl calibre defence has fallen apart at the seams. Like, on Sunday they gave Dak Prescott, who was admittedly very good, he accounted for three of their touchdowns and he managed to rush for 82 yards, but they gave him the rule of the roost. He he really didn't have to get out of armchair mode to lead the Cowboys to a very easy win. This is what the problem is. With Jacksonville. If Jacksonville's defense doesn't step up to the plate, then their offense isn't good enough to carry them through games like the Chiefs. The Chiefs can get through games simply by saying, Well, okay, you're gonna score a ridiculous number of points, but we're just gonna we're go gonna and score put more, more, yeah. You know, Jacksonville don't have that. Jacksonville have to shut teams down on defence because the offense isn't gonna produce that exorbitant amount of points that the Chiefs do. And whenever their defence isn't being shut down, as, we, as we've as we seen over the last two weeks, suddenly they run into problems. You look at Ezekiel Elliott rushing for 106 yards, Cole Beasley managing to get his first two touchdown receptions. Those are two guys you have to shut down. Those are basics of the defensive game. And the Jaguars, for a team who pride themselves on having a great defence, did not do. And that's why... A lot of people are starting to wonder if this team really has it, or if they're all just hype.
0: Yeah, because we were talking at the start of the season about how they they look like Super Bowl contenders. That that great def, uh, defense. They're sitting three and three. They're not out of it. They're not in the sort of in the hot water that New York are in or anything no, no, like that. No,
1: no, no, not at all. But you'd expect them to be showing a lot more, especially against a team like the Cowboys, who aren't necessarily a bad team but aren't the kind of calibre team that Jacksonville would be hoping to beat Uh, and this is the thing Dallas didn't have to do anything special they controlled the tempo they went back to what worked so well for them in 2014 they controlled the tempo they converted their third downs and they kept the defence fresh and it was an easy win for them that's all they needed to do it wasn't anything tricky. And now Jacksonville have the really tough task of bouncing back against the Texans and the unpredictable Deshaun Watson. Whenever you bring in a quarterback who has that ability just to spark something on a whim, your defense has to scramble. And this is a defense that has lost a lot of its morale.
0: Uh, We'll move on to Pittsburgh then. And they got that late win against the Cincinnati Bengals. It was a great game. And it was the Antonio Brown show, wasn't it?
1: This was the real Steelers, in my opinion. Um, We've had all the problems with Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown's comments. Antonio Brown then decided he was going to step up big time for them. Um, He was brilliant to finish. It was great to see him actually doing it because he is by far the best receiver in this game. Uh, But for me, the Steelers have to back this up they can't rely on this being uh, look at us, we're suddenly back you have to then say "Well, we're going to do it next week and we're going to do it the week after that and we're going to do it the week after that I know there's problems over Bell and the fact that he's now not reporting back to the team until next week whenever he was supposed to be back for this week Um, but they've got to say now look, this is us what you saw in September was not us this is us Um, and I, I think they can do that now
0: the thing is, I mean, it shows you that they can do it without Le'Veon on Bell. They can go out there and they can win games. I know it's you, you always want them on your team. Of course you do. But yeah. they can do it without him.
1: They can do it without him, but Le'Veon Bell makes that team so much better. When it, whenever you add that extra offensive dynamic of course, yeah. with Bell coming onto the ball, it makes this team so much better.
0: What way do you think that situation is going to go then?
1: I think at this point... Well the thing is, I was going to say I think at this point you have to cut your losses and just say look, things aren't working between us, we're going to find you a good deal and you're going to go to another team. The thing is, how many teams are going to want to take him at this point? He's very clearly a disruptive influence in the locker room. He's very clearly not match fit because he hasn't played for the first six weeks and by the time he gets to his first game he won't have played for seven weeks. So teams looking at getting assistance down the stretch obviously he will make teams better but if he's not happy at another team he then becomes disruptive in that locker room exactly and is he going to be an influence on the team for the first couple of weeks you've got to give him a betting in period whenever he comes back to full team action and do
0: you want to talk about the Bengals very quickly
1: I do. Um, They've got to show a lot more defensive. I I think this is probably the week where a lot of teams have to step up on defence because we've seen some good offensive plays but defences have just been so anemic recently Um, and if the Bengals really want to contend they have to step up on defence otherwise they'll be left in the dust. Uh, And (coughs) Now they've got so many injuries. Nick Vigil, Sean Williams, Darkees Denard all went down and of course they've got Kansas City coming up next who are the best offence in the game right now so it'll be a huge test of their defence to step up and uh, make the mark but that, that, that's one of the reasons why you think Cincinnati maybe aren't going to be there come the end of the season their defence just isn't making the grade at the moment
0: um, So we'll move on to a couple of other stories through the week and we'll, we'll start with Tampa, they had the game against the, uh, against the Falcons narrowly lost it, I mean they Jameis Winston come out, he played a good game but narrowly lost it. the the Falcons were just a little bit better. Defensively though, both teams not great, were they?
1: No, they weren't and we say this because Tampa have sacked their defensive coordinator, Mike Smith
0: That tells you everything you need to know.
1: (laughs) Off off the back of this game. Just the, the stats are staggering and I was reading up on this yesterday. Since Smith took over in 2016 Tampa have given up 400 plus yards in 20 games. They allowed 416 yards in Sunday's loss to Atlanta. This season they've ranked 32nd in points per game against um, and passing yards per tilt. 31st in yards per game against and 28th in sacks. Now those are really per numbers. Yeah. You know someone has to be bottom of some of them but you don't expect one team to be bottom of all of them and that that's the problem when the numbers don't match up you're going to struggle to keep your job and even the fact that they upgraded that defensive front with Jason Pierre-Paul in the off season, but that back end was still woeful their passing coverage was just not good enough uh, and you saw that against Atlanta when the uh, Matt Ryan passed for 346 yards, you know, that's, those numbers just aren't going to get it done. And the question is, could the Bucks actually be leading their division if their defence was league average? You know, their, their offence yeah. has been so strong to start the season. If their defence stood up even just to the league average, we could be talking about a contending team here, not a basement dwelling team, yeah. which is the problem and you now wonder if things don't improve is this just the start of the firings uh, in Tampa Bay could Dirk Ketter be next as head coach
0: so what do you think do you think um, do you think they can turn it around
1: it depends who they get in um, and the, this is the problem because whenever you get a defensive coordinator in you've got to allow similar to the Bell situation you've got to allow that betting in period because they're going to want to bring in new systems you are going yeah. to want to bring in a new style of defence because you can't go with the same, uh, the same system because it clearly wasn't working for Smith yeah. so you have to change something around and you can't change personnel mid-season um, so I, I don't think you're going to see an improvement this, this season. season, it'll be next season before, you, you've got to let the, the new guy in work during the off-season get his new systems in place and we'll see next year. So that is week 6 we
0: are moving on to week 7 let's take a look at some of the pick of the action and you've got the Saints here, now the Saints nobody's really been talking about the Saints, they're sitting there at (laughs) 4-1 and they're looking good.
1: I'll tell you a good story, my brother asked me yesterday who are the the three teams in the NFL who have lost one game or less Mm -hmm. and I got Kansas City and the LA Rams very easily But I just could not think of the third, and it's the Saints. Nobody's talking about them. It's kind of they're doing it very quietly, aren't they? Very quietly, only lost one game, and I've been really impressed with them. You look at those options that they have. Alvin Kamara is obviously one of the best running backs in the game, and then Drew Brees is a living legend, a quarterback. Yeah, they do have the pieces in place to be one of the best teams in the NFL. And yet a lot of people are overlooking them for the traditional powerhouses, even people are still looking at the Steelers over the Saints. Now, the Saints might fall down a bit later on, I know they have a bit bit of a tougher run than they have had so far, but they've started well. And whenever you have that momentum, it can just sweep through and it can just keep you going, and that's something that a lot of people are overlooking. But obviously this week is going to be a really tough game against the Ravens, uh, who have Started so well that a lot of people are overlooking them as well. Yeah, I've been really impressed with Joe Flacco, who is someone who a lot of people are saying needed to have a big year, and he is. Having he is. A big He's having the season them, he needed, isn't he? Uh, which is exactly what both uh, both of them needed. Both the Ravens and Flacco himself. They're coming off a twenty-one nothing shutout win over the Titans. Their defense held Tennessee to hundred and six total yards, which is. Unbelievable! It's one of the best defensive performances yeah. I think you'll see in the NFL all year, and they recorded eleven sacks on Marcus Mariota. I don't think you're going to see that again all season from one yeah. team. Uh, so, it's, one one of the main things in this one that I think Drew Brees has never won against Baltimore, which is a big thing. That there's something mentally about that. Yeah. But how good would it be for him to cap off the season with uh, by beating the 30, uh, 32nd team? Yeah,
0: I mean it is it is a uh, it's a record breaking season for him. You can watch that game on Sunday night five past nine. The New Orleans Saints and the Baltimore Ravens. As always, I'm going to ask you to call it. I always ask you to call games, see what yeah, you way you do, think it's going to go.
1: Do. Um, I'm going to go for Baltimore because that defense is then backed up by a good offense. I think we haven't quite seen New Orleans put it all together in one performance so far because they haven't needed to. But I think Baltimore have the defense to shut down Kamara's running game and then they also have the offense to put the numbers on the board at the other end.
0: Imagine the motivation you would have if you were the defense of the Ravens and the week previously you'd got to the quarterback 11 times. I, I don't think they're going to get to uh, to Drew Brees eleven times, but I mean they will no, be buzzing, won't they? Their
1: confidence will be absolutely soaring. I mean, you, you see the reactions of the guys who get sacks. You know, the the defense whenever they get back up, they flex the muscles, and yeah. fist pumping all over the place. But that that's genuine emotion. That's in the middle of the game, just getting all fired up. And this Ravens team is just on a tear right now. So that
0: is uh, the the action coming in week seven. We'll be catching up with it next week. We'll see if your prediction is right. <laughs> we're moving on to our second sport of the day. Should we talk about some NBA, which kicks I off this think
1: week? It's time to get stuck into the NBA.
0: Right, let's talk some NBA. Before we talk some NBA, I should point out Adam has just been singing a Taylor Swift song. Didn't know you were a Taylor Swift fan, Adam. I'm not. You're not. Don't don't start getting any ideas for Christmas presents. You know the words of the song well enough for someone who's not a fan.
1: That's because they played at the Giants games and it gets in my head.
0: It is. It's an energetic song. Are you ready for it? It's (laughs) one of my favourite Taylor Swift songs. We do have a picture of Taylor Swift there right now. Our mascot. Our mascot. The show mascot. Right, let's talk some basketball. Now, before we do talk basketball, we're going to do a bit of a season preview. We've been doing this with all our sports before the season starts. Before we do that, though... Um, you are a Boston Celtics fan, am I right? I am indeed Any ideas what my team is? Have I told you this before?
1: You might have, but I forgot The
0: Knicks, I'm a New York uh, Knicks fan okay. um, but, uh, but I've found something really interesting that uh, the the uh, NBA UK Twitter page has done okay So what it is, is it gives you a chance to choose a second team Do you have a second team or are you, are you a one team man?
1: Uh, I used to support the Orlando Magic because uh, that was where we went on holiday quite a lot as a family, but uh, that was before I really got into the NBA, so I don't really have any real affiliation to them.
0: Right, well what we're going to do is we are going to choose our second team, so they've put up a GIF which is running through all of the the team's logos, Mm -hmm. and what I want you to do is pause it, and this is going to be who your second team is, okay?
1: Okay. You ready to go? All right. Who do, you think, who, so, who do you
0: want before we do it? Who do you want?
1: I wouldn't mind the magic again. Just, right. Okay. Just so you did. You
0: tried it off air and you got the magic. I did didn't get the magic. So
1: <laughs> I'm hoping that lightning strikes twice. Right. Okay. Do right. your thing. Okay. I'm gonna, gonna close my eyes here. Gonna get ah the kings. I got the Sacramento Kings. The Sacramento yeah. Kings.
0: Let's see. Right. Let's see here. I'm gonna get. So obviously I'm a Knicks fan. I'm gonna get. It'd be terrible if I got the Nets, wouldn't it? This wouldn't work. <laughs> The Pistons, the Detroit, Detroit Pistons. Pistons, there we go. So, okay. yeah, we'll see how they do at the end of the season, the Detroit Pistons yeah. for me. Should I'm not we?
1: holding out much hope for my Kings, but <laughs> we'll see.
0: Should we talk some actual basketball next year? Yeah, let's move on to that. Basketball. And we'll start with your team, the Boston Celtics. Can you tell who writes the script?
1: Maybe. <laughs> we'll start with the Atlantic Division. Yes. Um, this is a really good division because you've got the Celtics, You've got the Toronto Raptors and you've got the Philadelphia 76ers. Three teams who are probably going to be three of the best in the Eastern Conference this year. The Celtics, of the three, have the best chance to dethrone the Golden State Warriors. They've got a star-studded roster uh, led by Kyrie Irving and uh, Gordon Hayward. The only thing standing in the Celtics' way of potentially going all the way is injury or a failure to create chemistry. Now, the latter of which seems pretty unlikely because they haven't dramatically changed the roster from last year in any way. It's it's more just injury and Irving does have a past, but the Celtics look a really strong roster this year and I know only the championship would would do for them in terms of success. But you can't write off the Toronto Raptors. Uh, They've added Kawhi Leonard to that roster who is immediately an upgrade on DeMar DeRozan. Um, However, how you adapt to adding Leonard to that roster will be vital for Toronto. Um, And then Kyle Lowry is also a little bit of an X-factor. Yeah, He's 32 years old. Will he continue to be as effective at point guard as he has been over the last few years? Or will father time start to catch up with him? That's one of the key questions for this Toronto roster. If Lowry is as productive as he has been, then the Raptors can push the Celtics all the way in the Atlantic. But if not, I think there's a lot of question marks suddenly over how good this Toronto team could be.
0: Now, it all kicks off tonight with mm-hmm. your uh, with your Celtics taking on the 76ers. For the 76ers, it's, kind of, it's now or never really, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I wouldn't say it's now or never. I, I'm, I just think their time is now because they've waited for a lot of guys to come through and here they are. You know, you've got Ben Simmons is going to be an elite point guard. Joel Embiid will terrorise other centres throughout the league. And Markel Fultz has the potential to have the bounce back here. They want him to be that high draft pick that he was whenever they got him. And one of the key things is they have the space To trade for someone down the stretch if they need some help. And I think that's one of the key things in that a lot of teams you know will be able to trade. The 76ers suddenly have the space to be able to do so. They're up on that level. So if they're hanging on towards the very end, they have the ability to go out and get someone to really add to that roster and make it one of the best um, in terms of the other teams, the Brooklyn Nets—they're going to be a fun team to watch this year. Yeah. Um, D'Angelo Russell is ready to have a breakout year, and Karslaver and Rondae Hollis-Jefferson. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> look that they know their time isn't now, but they do have the ability to play a lot of fun basketball and. That's something to watch out for. New York Knicks, they're going to struggle without like Chris Dapp's Przingis, who they don't even have a time scale for when he's going to come yeah. back. And they don't yet have the young talent that they're really in the in the midst of a rebuild. So it's going to be a tough year for them. For me, the Atlantic comes down to the Celtics, the Raptors, and the 76ers. And it's going to be a very interesting battle to see who comes out on top. With... I. Sorry, I was just going to say, I think the Celtics are going to...
0: I don't hold much hope for the Knicks this season to be honest um, I wouldn't <laughs> I know how the 76ers can win it Hi, gritty take go the Flyers on, on, mascot take the Flyers <laughs> mascot put him on he will bully people he will win games he will he'll just scare people off the court
1: I think he'll just belly bump all the other players yeah, off. Yeah, no
0: I don't I I I mean if, if if for some reason the 76ers are listening to this. We do have a famous <laughs> follower. You never know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um if for some reason the 76ers are listening to this, don't ever let gritty on the no. on the court. That's not a great idea. Well,
1: no, please do for one game. that would be fun. It'd be really fun interesting to watch. to watch, wouldn't it? Yeah.
0: <laughs> you kind of I don't know whether he's fun to watch or whether he's kind of like unbelievable to watch. But either way, I still
1: <laughs> think he's scary more than fun.
0: He is. I mean, I, I, this is mainly a thing aimed at children, and he just looks like he. At, <laughs> I don't want to talk about him he freaks me out i have be having bad dreams for a week should we move on to the Central Divisions we'll start with the Milwaukee Bucks
1: yeah they finally got their right man and new head coach Mike Budenholzer um, he is the guy that is going to get the best either the likes of Brook Lopez um, John Henson and Eric Bledsoe and one of the things this is another name I'm not going to try and pronounce but Budenholzer will bring in a kind of game that will encourage the strengths so of Janice and Tento Kumpo. Well done. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and for, for me, that's where the Bucks have fallen down. They haven't got the most out of Giannis. Uh, <clears throat> but is going to introduce that style that will suit him down to the ground. And he's also going to bring on a lot more guys around him for secondary scoring. And I think that elevates the Bucks to be one of the favourites in the Central to win this division. But then uh, you look at the Indiana Pacers who have... By far the most improved player from last year in Victor Oladipo, uh, and this year he can step up even more to lead this offense. You look at Miles Turner and demantis Sabonis; they form one of the most promising young four-court duos in the game. And Tyree Evans could be one of the most unheralded free agency acquisitions of the season, and um, so that's something to keep a look out for them. Your second team, the Detroit Pistons. I completely forgot about that. (laughs) I'd forgotten already. (laughs) Um, The problem with the Pistons is they have the roster to be competitive, but so much relies on injuries. If they can keep Blake Griffin and Reggie Jackson on the court, they are a team that can do a lot of damage, but both of them have had their spotted injury pasts um, and even then, it's questionable if Griffin can lead that offense to a championship. I I would put them more in the maybe's as opposed to yeah. the actual contenders, but they they could be there. And then <laughs> there's so many questions over the Cleveland Cavaliers. Yeah, I how mean, do you, how do you cope post LeBron? Exactly.
0: They I mean they lost one of the greatest of all time what do you do
1: how does anybody cope post LeBron because the Cavs built their roster around him they built their roster for him for it to be successful and it's interesting to see now what they'll do afterwards that Kevin Love and Tristan, Tristan Thompson will be a force on the boards George Hill and Colin Sexton are a good backcourt duo but how do this team cope without LBJ?
0: Um, And when he was there, it worked for them, the whole thing sort of came together, so now it's
1: the next chapter. You take out the core of your team, you take out the main room the the engine room, your focal point, where do you go from there. And that's why it's interesting, you know, this team could pick up where it left off, and all of a sudden it could be like LeBron who? Or they could completely crash and burn
0: for a casual fan like me, reading something like this, non-contenders, the Chicago Bills doesn't make any sense. But I suppose over the years, they've kind of they've gone down that slope a bit, haven't
1: they? Yeah, they have. They're they're in the midst of a rebuild. Uh, their best days are far ahead of them. They still have a relatively strong roster, in fairness. But defensively, defensively there are just so many liabilities. Handing out uh, a contract extension to the biggest liability on their roster and Zach Levine who is good on offence but terrible on defence. It just shows that Chicago are a team who are offence or bust will will concede a shed load of points but will score loads of points at the other end. Very much similar to the Chiefs in yeah. the NFL Um, but at the same time they don't have enough on this roster to be contenders so for me i put them in the non-contender category.
0: Uh, let's take a look at the Southeast then.
1: Yeah, with a fully fit John Wall back, the Washington Wizards are the best team in this division. He only played 41 games last season, and yet they still got to the playoffs. So that says a lot about this roster. Um, I, I like their trade of Dwight Hard for Marcin Gortat on the interior. It shouldn't prove the team chemistry. I know Hard isn't. This locker room presence that everybody loves. Yeah. But at the very least, he's not going to call out uh, players like Gortat did. Um, so, <laughs> automatically, that should improve the locker room chemistry. And as I said, with Wall back, the Wizards instantly become a better roster, especially in that starting five. Um, the Miami Heat will push them all the way. Crucially, they brought back Dwayne Wade and Adonis Haslam. Dion Waiters is going to step up into a bigger role for them. I know he's got his injury problems to start the year, but once he comes back, he should be uh, one of their key contributors. Yeah. Um, I think that their strength is spread across the roster. It's not focused on one or two guys like you maybe see on other teams, you know, they have a very hard nosed unit made up of several players. And I think that that's very interesting because a lot of teams like to put up one or two guys, maybe three, as their yeah. poster boys. The Heat have just some great guys spread across this team, which I really like. The thing about the Southeast is those two are the two real contenders. All of the others are sort of in the middle of uh, turning things around. Uh, You look at the atlanta hawks they have brought in trey young the ncaa standout he was absolutely outstanding at that level he's going to lead their offense and they're going to rely on a few veterans um but they're they're not yet there at a competitive level the orlando magic they're building for the future around aaron gordon and muhammad bamba and the charlotte hornets they're dark horses due to kemba walker and the arrival of tony parker but they need too much improve. in my opinion, they need too much improvement from Malik Monk and Miles Bridges in key positions to make it. If those two have breakout years, which they could, I don't expect them to at this stage. But if they did, they could suddenly become a force. But I think they're more in the non-contenders uh, category.
0: So we'll move on to the Pacific and, of course, probably the best team in the NBA at the minute. We'll start with them.
1: Yeah, into the Western Conference, and the Golden State Warriors are, without any doubt, the best team in the NBA. Their starting five is ludicrous. You look at Steph Curry, Kevin Durant, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, and DeMarcus Cousins. No one comes anywhere near. That's close a big that. lineup, isn't it? That That's is unbelievable. Stacked. Like, there's just the Manchester City of NBA. They've just yeah. gone and assembled a star-studded roster. Particularly with Cousins opting to go there. It was a real shock to see him elect to go to Golden State. But um, I suppose you follow where the success is really. Although the depth is a little lacking. <laughs> I know it sounds really bizarre that we're actually questioning the Warriors. Given how successful they've been. The depth is still a little lacking. But like that, that top five just makes up for it. They don't need to have any remarkable depth to be the best team in this division by a long way. In fact, the best team in the NBA yeah, by the a bi- long way.
0: The big story over the summer was, of course, LeBron going to the Lakers. LeBron, yeah. James. Yep, Not only going- that, but he's going to be in the uh, in the second Space Jam as well, just to, to point that
1: out. <laughs> no, yeah, the arrival of LeBron at the LA Lakers, that's going to speed up the development of Brandon Ingram, Kyle Kuzma, Lonzo Ball, Contavious Caldwell, Pope and Josh Hart, those guys. Due to the high standards LeBron brings with him, those guys have to step up and that's going to help their development. Which I think is exactly what the Lakers wanted yeah. whenever they brought him in. Now, they're obviously looking at winning championships and that's probably still a year away. But you think if you can even get two or three of those five to really step up to the level that they could be at and you bring in someone during free agency next year... All of a sudden, you've got a brilliant roster that you can really go and compete in the Pacific against Golden State. They're going to be competitive this year, but Golden State are just such a such a way ahead of everyone else. Yeah. That, uh, I think the Lakers are going to have to say, look, we're going to be best of the rest here.
0: Yeah, and I think um, it'd be, I mean, you could definitely see them in the postseason. You could definitely see them in the playoffs. Oh, of course, and, and I, th-
1: I think they will make the playoffs.
0: To get some of those guys' playoff experience, that goes a long way towards next year then, exactly. doesn't it?
1: Exactly. Of course it does. Um, but and the, that's what I'm saying the thing is with LeBron is he's going to come in and add vast amounts of experience to a very young roster and if you say to him look you're going to be the leader of this team and you're going to take us to a championship next year I think he'll accept one year yeah. of not winning a championship um, Should we move on to the other teams in the Pacific very quickly? Yeah I, I really don't think any of the other teams are going to do much this year um, you look at the LA Clippers. You know Chris Paul, Blake Griffin, DeAndre Jordan, and JJ Reddick are all gone. They're back to rebuilding around Lou Williams. Am I boring you? No, sorry. <laughs> I, I, I
0: told you about my. Uh, so, so effectively, what happened was last night I drank a, a full can of Monster before I went to the gym and didn't get a great sleep after it. Um, so yeah, I'm trying. This is my third coffee this morning. I'm trying my best. I'm trying.
1: Um, of the other team, the teams, the Phoenix Suns, they've long been laughed at for their poor decisions in play, but they finally have DeAndre Ayton, and Devin Booker to build around, which is something they can take forward. And my Sacramento Kings, similar to the Brooklyn Nets, they're going to be a fun team to watch with that young core of Marvin Bagley, De'Aaron Fox, Justin Jackson, and Bogdan Bogdanovic, but they're not going to trouble anyone in terms of making the playoffs.
0: Uh, let's go to the Southwest then. We'll start with the Houston Rockets.
1: Houston Rockets, you, you would have worried about them in the fact that they've lost two big wing defenders in Trevor Ariza and Luke Bamute. However, they have strong secondary scoring in Carmelo Anthony. They have big defense in the form of Clint Carpella. They have an unrivaled bench and they have an MVP in James Harden. They're going to be there, thereabouts. I know they're trying to encourage that three point. Style of play, yeah. shooting from anywhere. If you feel like you have the opportunity and you can make the basket, um, you worry about that defense though. You you worry about can they keep the better teams uh off the board as much as possible? Um, the San Antonio Spurs, they're firmly in the post Kawhi era. Look, the the, the Kawhi experiment in San Antonio didn't work, and they'll hold their hands up and say, look that that happened they've now moved on to DeMar DeRozan they hope he's going to be able to take up the Tim Duncan mantle and I think he will be able to under the Spurs coaching staff and alongside LaMarcus Aldridge while DeJounte Murray will be in his first year as their starting point guard he can really step up and take a lot more responsibility than he did last year Um. the, the New Orleans Pelicans are an interesting one because I don't think DeMarcus Cousins is as big a loss to them as a lot of people think. I think Rajon Rondo is a bigger loss to them than Cousins is. Just because you, you could tell Cousins wasn't wasn't really... His heart wasn't in it yeah. with the Pelicans, in my opinion. Instead, now, they'll lean on Anthony Davis, who is a top-five player in the NBA, um, and they've got a really unheralded two-way man in Drew Holiday I think the Pelicans are better this year than they were last year with Cousins now they're in a tough division with Houston and San Antonio who are also very good teams but I think you look at New Orleans as one of those dark horses that if a lot of things fall their way they could really be up there towards the latter end of the playoffs
0: and of course then we'll talk about the Mavericks and the Grizzlies very quickly before we move on
1: yeah first of all massive congratulations to Dirk Nowitzki who's playing his 21st season for the Dallas Mavericks he is going to go down in their Hall of Fame without a doubt Um the the Mavs themselves are going to be focusing on building around Luka Doncic and Dennis Smith for the future Um they're fully in a rebuild and the Memphis Grizzlies they're going to be better with a fully fit Mike Conley and uh, Mark Gasol but it's just not going to be good enough. That roster isn't good.
0: So, last but not least, we will move on to the Northwest. And you reckon Oklahoma, probably the, the bigger team in there?
1: Yeah, the Oklahoma City Thunder, they should be a better team this year without Carmelo Anthony. I feel like Russell Westbrook and Paul George worked as a better pair than a trio with Anthony. Yeah. Um, and they've improved their bench with the signings of Dennis Schroeder, Nerlens Noel, and they've managed to keep Jeremy Grant. So, I think this team is better than it is last year, and for me, that makes them clear favourites in the northwest. But again, are they good enough to be one of the main teams in the west? Probably not. Yeah. Uh, what? A... Sorry. Go ahead. Well No, I, I was going to move on as well. <laughs> just, just the two teams who are very much on the rise. Uh, firstly, the Utah Jazz. Um, they rode the surprise success of Donovan Mitchell last year, who can step up and have another big year this year and the defensive capabilities of one of the guys with the best nicknames in the nba seven foot one center rudy gobert who's been nicknamed the stifle tar the stifle tar because he just stifles uh brilliant. offenses absolutely, which I absolutely yeah love. can they do the same this year they they need mitchell to be as good as he was last year which is a lot to rely on on one person so that's one that you're probably gonna find out in the first one or two weeks of the season, rather than uh, rather than know right now. Yeah. And also on the upper, the Denver Nuggets, they have one of the best offenses in the league, led by Jamal Murray, Gary Harris, and Nikola Jokic, and they have excellent bench cover in Michael Porter and a former Celtic Isaiah Thomas, who I'll be honest, I didn't realize had actually gone to Denver. Um. But again, the they just they're a little limited compared yeah. to other teams um, and I, I don't think they're going to quite have enough to be there competing. Um, the Portland Trailblazers, they have two of the best back in the game in Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum but for them to have any success, they need their role players such as Yusuf Nurkic Evan Turner and Al Farouk to step up Otherwise, they're going to fade into obscurity, and that's a lot to put on three guys. They need several guys to step up rather than just one, and that's too much pressure on a roster that doesn't have enough upside to be good enough to be real contenders, even in the the division. And the last one, the last team that we're going to talk about... (laughs) And I want to take a little bit of time to talk about them because we have been talking about them quite a lot recently. The team that
0: managed to steal the summer limelight from the Braun moving to LA.
1: Yeah, the Minnesota Timberwolves. What a mess this summer has been for them. Especially the end of the summer. Because the Jimmy Butler saga is still hanging over them. You're now in a state of flux where, will he be on the opening day roster? Will he not be on the opening day roster? If he is in the opening day roster, how much of a role do you give him? How will the fans react to him? How will the front office treat him? There's so much hanging over this team. And even then, you look down the line, if they get rid of him, well, they're automatically going to be a worse team yeah. than when they did keep him because uh, Jimmy Butler is one of the best players at guard in the, in the NBA. But then if you do keep him, what does that do to the locker room? What does that do to team chemistry? There's so many questions hanging over this team. And at this point, I still think they're better off saying, okay, it it was uh, Miami and the Knicks who were both both in for him. Go to those two teams and say, put your best offer on the table, put your best offer on on the table, and take the better of the two. Take one of them. Don't don't try and force anything. Just take the better offer that one of those two teams gives you. If they can... And I think this is a huge if and I don't think they can. If they could put this all behind them, they actually have a decent roster. They suddenly become a contender in this division, particularly with Carl Anthony Towns as one of the best centres in the league and Andrew Wiggins is a great two-way man. But they've got to put all those off-court distractions behind them. Otherwise, this team is going absolutely nowhere. And I think the sooner there is a solution of some description, whether Butler mans up and says, look, I'll, I'll give you my best for a year and then we'll part ways exactly or ship him out the door.
0: Well, the last thing I read was that, um, Jimmy Butler, they've kind of come to an agreement where the Timberwolves are going to continue to look for a deal for the best possible deal for them and for Jimmy Butler. And then he has agreed to play his best game. But, that's the wrong way to go, isn't it? That ha- is
1: the- you, you have to set one side of the fence. You need to you, make you, a choice. You can't say, we're going to look for offers while you give us your best. You've got to say, we're going to trade you or you're staying with us. Exactly. And I think you've got to get it done as quickly as possible. I think by now it's, uh, it's too late for him to yeah. go before opening day. So put him on that opening day roster. He plays one game for you. But either get him out the door as quickly as possible or say now you're with us for the year mate
0: regardless they shouldn't have let it bleed into the season like no, it has not and-
1: at all this this is the kind of thing that <clears throat> as a front office you have to sit down and say we're getting this sorted before opening day and then it'll be behind us and we can yeah. focus on the season the fact they've let this drag on so long is a big feeling from the front office in my opinion
0: so, it all kicks off this evening then. Are you going to stay up and watch it? Is that what you're going to watch tonight, do you think? The 76ers and the Celtics? Oh, there's postseason Hard baseball. choice. <laughs> oh, man,
1: there's so much. To... It's going to be one of those ones
0: where you're going to have the laptop, you're going to have the iPad, you're going to have the TV. You'll be fine. You can, just,
1: you can watch it all. Yeah, you, you know
0: it. <laughs> uh, so, one o'clock tonight, the Celtics and the 76ers, mm. the NBA regular season is underway. And just like you said, postseason baseball.
1: Postseason baseball.
0: Right, so this is going to be a long podcast today. Now we're going to move on to some <laughs> post-season baseball. I've I've been absolutely hooked in this now. One or two of the games I haven't watched, but I've been checking the scores first thing when I wake up because it, it's really really got me gripped. And there's two very good games going on. There's two very good series going on.
1: Exactly. What one of the things that you don't want as a neutral observer, if you're a fan of one of the four teams, you want to you want to sweep. Yeah. Just to get it over with, get to the World Series. But from a neutral neutral's perspective, to have the games going really close and then having series really close as well. It's absolutely thrilling viewing and I'm absolutely loving every second of it so far. And um, we'll start
0: with the, uh, the ALCS, the Houston Astros and the Boston Red Sox. And I think if you have a slight bit of knowledge, even about baseball, when you're looking at this, Oh, sorry. When you're looking at this game, you're looking at, at one of the two world series winners really, aren't you? I think in so. theory on paper anyway,
1: I think so. Um, but then you you can never rule out exactly yeah in postseason baseball. But but I'm
0: I'm talking strictly on paper in terms of in terms of how the on, teams have played through the season.
1: On paper, these two have the stronger rosters of the four teams left, um, and I think you've seen that so far in the fact that I think the quality of the baseball has just been that ever so slightly bit better in the ALCS than in the NLCS, um, and I think that will stand these two teams in good stead whichever one goes to the world series but it's just been so good to watch so far uh, you see the ebb and the flow of the games um especially in that game two where it was in the balance right up until the end. even game one game one was right in the balance up yeah. until the ninth inning until the astros broke out with those two home runs in the ninth inning but th- this is what we love about baseball. It can just change on a whim. You know, y- you can never even relax, especially in the postseason, with a five-run lead, with a four-run lead. At any point, it can be pulled back, and I think the Astros and the Red Sox have played two great games so far. Um, uh, the big thing for me is the contrasting bullpens. You look at the. Uh, Astros' bullpen in Game 1 combined for three scoreless innings in relief, whereas the Red Sox' bullpen contrived to concede four runs in the ninth inning, which turned it from a very close game into uh, a blowout win. And then in Game 2, it was the complete opposite. The, um, (laughs) The bullpen for Boston came through whenever... Price had a per start as he usually does in October uh, whereas the Houston bullpen didn't quite live up to the expectations from the first game that's postseason baseball it can change from one night to the next
0: so it's the best of seven games then obviously we are two games in and it's it's one each what way do you see it going from here on in
1: for Houston they need their bats to keep producing preferably with parts, what they do best and they need to start getting to, to the Boston starters quickly. They have to keep relying on their starters, leaving the pen with as little to do as possible because as good as the Houston bullpen has been doing, you need to leave as little for them to do because if, if you manage to bring your bullpen in as late as possible with a lead, that's less for them to shut down. And the Astros bullpen is good enough to shut down teams. Um, On the other side for Boston they really have to hope that Chris Sale fully recovers from that stomach bug because their rotation has too many questions over it without him. Especially David Price who seems to be suffering from his usual October problems. Um, They also need to keep that bullpen fresh because they're really going to need it uh, if Price continues to have those problems. And if the starters down the latter end of their rotation can't keep that run going as well but in terms of offense uh, I think game two was proof that they can really bring it uh, in the postseason as well it'll be a fascinating one I I think if Boston can't get a win in Houston over the next two games I think that changes the complexion of this series completely I think Houston taking a 3-1 lead Back to Fenway Park, yeah. Especially whenever they've already won a game in Fenway, Fenway, yeah. It's just that mental side of the game again coming into play. I think you would see Houston winning it at Fenway at some point.
0: But we've seen what um, Boston can do. We've seen what they did in New York, exactly. So,
1: like, but I still think Boston are the best team in baseball. And you know, losing one game to Houston at Fenway doesn't change that for me. But this it's so important to win your home games, and they've already dropped one. It now puts the pressure firmly on them to win one at Minute Maid Park, and that pressure is the kind of thing that can make the difference between hitting a home run and missing that ball by inches and striking out or something like that. So the Astros definitely have the advantage there.
0: Uh, we'll move on to the NLCS then, and one of the teams that you picked to be in the World Series um, the Milwaukee Brewers they currently lead their series 2-1 against Ooh. the Dodgers
1: uh, I, I love the Brewers I think they're going so well what, um, Christian Yelich what a player MVP what a player hands down um, I want to talk about another player first though and that's Justin Turner on the Dodgers side all credit to him for after striking out to end the game to end game one then coming forward and hitting the go-ahead two-run ho- or two-run homer in Game Two to win—it's it, incredible that guys have the ability to do that. You know, after having that complete deflated feeling of ending a game in the postseason to winning a game the next day. for, for me, the Brewers have also done a similar thing to the Astros in that sorry to the Red Sox sorry they lost one game at home which immediately puts you on the back foot but they didn't let that get them down Yeah, they've gone to Los Angeles and they've won a game at Dodger Stadium which is massive they've managed to shrug off that okay we're now behind the eight ball they've now gone away and they've won a game which is vital that puts them back on the front foot and Whenever you look at that bullpen, sorry, I'm, I'm hitting the table several <laughs> times, in here. Um, when, whenever you get on the run that the Brewers were on, they were on 12 straight wins. They're now yeah. on 13 from their last 14. They're a team who just know how to win. And we've talked before about how you peak at the right times. They're absolutely peaking at the right time, and they're coming through every test that's being thrown at them. And whenever you have that bullpen that says, good as the Brewers is. It hasn't been over the last couple of games. Or the sorry, the last the first two games, last night was very good. Yeah. But the first two games it didn't really live up to expectations. But you saw that they can be shut down, they can be absolutely elite whenever they get in the right positions. Um and I think that's that's one of the key things in this series. If the Dodgers can get back onto that uh, onto that streak where they really got to the Brewers bullpen, they can have a lot of success, but if Milwaukee manage to settle down their pitchers and get them into a good rhythm, they can shut out the, the Dodgers any night.
0: So so what about the, the, the Brewers then? Um one thing I noticed about the Brewers is from, from watching the postseason games, not even so much the Brewers, but in terms of, of the field, the stadium is probably the loudest. Like they get behind the Brewers and it is loud. And it must be a hard place to go and play.
1: Well, I I think they're rolling off the success of the Brewers. I think they're rolling off the fact that that they're in the postseason and they're absolutely loving it. It must be an intimidating place to play. Yeah, it's loud. You look at how enclosed it is. A lot of stadiums are open and the the sound drifts out. The Brewers stadium is closed, so the sound just reverbs back to you. It, It is a very intimidating place for uh, another team to go and I think that does play a lot into their hands but at this stage mm-hmm. of the season these guys have ice cold mentalities they they come in, they shut out the noise they have their jobs to do and they know how to do it the, the best guys in the game will stand there and it'll just be them, the batter and the catcher uh, and I think that's that's something but the, the buzz that the Brewers must yeah. get from it is massive uh, Game
0: 4 tonight Brewers currently lead 2-1 how do you think it's going to look going forward?
1: I think the Dodgers have a point to prove and I think they're going to want to make an emphatic point. So uh, I think you're going to see a Brewers team coming out swinging. Sorry, a Dodgers team coming out swinging. I'm getting a lot of names mixed up today. (laughs) Uh, You're going to see a Dodgers team coming out swinging and they're going to want to really hammer home the fact that we're not going to go down easily. For, For the Brewers, they just have to keep doing what they're doing they're winning games they know how to win games don't change anything don't do anything differently go out with the same mentality that you have been uh win the game bring it back to milwaukee and you can win it on um what is it thursday night Uh, thursday night yeah yeah yeah. you you can you can win it you can go to the world series at home on thursday night um so actually no sorry it'll be wednesday night well yeah wednesday sorry
0: yeah it'll be wednesday night Um, so they could win it yeah
1: yeah, so uh, that for me is... Sorry, yes, they, they can win it in uh, LA on Wednesday. Look, the, the point still stands. Keep doing what you're doing. They have no reason to change anything. Uh, and For me, as long as they, uh, they keep going on the same trajectory, they're going to be fine.
0: So by next week's podcast, we will know who's going to be in the World Series. By next week's is-
1: podcast... We won't know who will be in. That is, that's
0: great news, and uh, yeah, Christian Yelich MVP. What do you think?
1: I don't think there's anyone in the National League who you can make a stronger argument for. So, uh, but for me, it's it has to go to Christian Yelich.
0: It's going to be good watching. We're going to know who is in the uh, in the World Series by the start of the next podcast. I'm actually quite excited about that. It's going to be our first our first big final first World Series yeah. podcast. And I think the thing is, and I've noticed this doing the. Um, Watching, watching the uh, the postseason games and stuff, I've sort of thought, wow, I'd love, I'd love to do a podcast now, and then I'd love, to, you know, just quickly record one and mm-hmm. stuff, and because there's so much going on that you want to talk about, but we'll keep it to once a week, I think, because we're doing a lot. <laughs> yeah, NHL started back last week. will we talk a little bit about that.
1: Started back a couple of weeks ago. So- sorry, it was a couple of weeks ago.
0: Of course, it was a couple of weeks ago. Um, yes, sorry, NHL started back a couple of weeks ago. Should we talk about that? Let's talk about it. <laughs> So we'll move on to NHL, which we've now firmly established. Started back a couple of weeks ago, on, not last week. Um, so what's going on in the NHL this week? You want to kind of talk about two very contrasting teams in the league, don't you?
1: Yeah, we'll start with the Florida Panthers, here off to a slow start. I'm really disappointed in how the Panthers have started, because this was supposed to be a year where they continued the good finish to last season, and instead they're one of two teams not to win a game so far. Now, they've only played three So far, but even so, they've gone 0 3 that. No team wants to start with three losses. They've now lost Mark Matheson for two games for an illegal check on Elias Pedersen. I think the problem is they're relying too much on the scoring of Alexander Barkov and Viktor Trocek too much. Yeah. Which they're going to score you points but they're not going to they're not enough on their own to lead this offense to success they need secondary scoring from the second and third lines that they're just not getting at the moment and this league waits for no man, Yeah, which is the biggest issue. You look at the Bruins, who have started 4-1-0. You look at the Maple Leafs, who have started 6-1-0. And you've got the Lightning as well in this division. Three teams who are going to be there when the dust settles. You, they're already a long way behind, yeah. particularly the Maple Leafs. So they've got to make up a lot of ground, even early in the season, which is tough to do. You've got to get off to a fast start, and they haven't. You look at those next four games, the Philadelphia Flyers, back-to-back games against the Washington Capitals, and then they actually face the Red Wings, who are the other team who haven't won a game so far. But those next three games could easily be defeats as well if they don't get their act together. And you could end up facing Detroit with two teams aiming to get their first wins of the season, which nobody wants because you don't want to end up being the last team that hasn't won a game so things aren't going to get any easier for the panthers before it gets any better and they've really got to find something if they want to be the playoff team that a lot of people think they should be
0: on the other side of the coin then the devils they are looking good
1: yeah they're they're unbeaten in their first three they're exactly the opposite three oh oh. they've not only that, but their wins have been over good teams. They've defeated the Oilers, they defeated the Capitals, and they defeated the Sharks. And the
0: Capitals is the big one in there, really, isn't it? That's a big win for those guys.
1: Exactly, and it was a big 6-0 win as well. big shutout win over the defending Stanley Cup champions. One of the big things that their success has come from is uh, goalie Keith Kincaid. Now, Corey Schneider is out, and they've been running whenever Schneider comes back, they're going to run a 1A, 1B style yeah. situation as opposed to a starter and a backup. And you really think the way he started, he's got a 949 save percentage at the time of recording because I know they play tonight. Um, but he's really edging towards taking the 1A slot yeah. as opposed to the 1B slot that a lot of people thought he was going to be in. And I think whenever you look at the Devils, they're in a very tight metro metropolitan division with the Caps, the Penguins, the Flyers and the Blue Jackets. But on one side, whenever you're looking at the Florida Panthers and saying this league waits for no man, you've got to get momentum going yeah. early. That's exactly what the Devils have done. They've they've done the opposite and they've gotten that momentum early. They've gotten off to the fast start and it's now the impetus is on them to keep that going. And I think they're in a really good position to really kick on, especially whenever you look at the guys like Taylor Hall who... Um, you know, he's the MVP in this league. Nico sheer who is really stepping up in the second season. There's a lot of upside to this team. And if they keep that role going, there's a playoff spot there for them.
0: You think they can keep it going? I,
1: I think it'll take a lot to keep it going. Yeah. I mean, certainly, the the early results are very good. And I think that's the thing. If, if their three wins so far had come against uh, basement-dwelling teams, you would have potentially put yeah. it to the side and said because they haven't had a real test yet. they faced three they've really three stern real tests. tests and they've knocked them all aside with pretty much a lot of ease. So it certainly bodes well for them. I think there's a lot about this team to like.
0: So let's move on to the three stars of the week and we want to start with a player you're probably very fond of. Uh, Patrice Bergeron.
1: Patrice Bergeron of the Boston Bruins. Four goals, five assists, nine points in three games. On that line of... Brad Marchand, Bergeron, David Pasternak, those guys have been outstanding over the past week. Uh, they've really clicked. Pasternak got a hat-trick the other day. Bergeron got a hat-trick uh, in that in the last week in that streak. Uh, they are the best li- line in the entire league, full stop. I don't think there's another line that really comes close to it. Um, y- you see that whenever they get things clicking, the Bruins go well as well you know there were 3-0-0 in that stretch so a lot of their success relies on that top line and Bergeron in particular centering that line has been so impressive.
0: At Number two for the Toronto Maple Leafs Morgan Riley.
1: Yes one goal six assists seven points in three games that's some great scoring from a D-man and especially whenever you consider that the Maple Leafs offense has been so good you look at and we're going to talk about Austin Matthews and John Tavares. But whenever you're getting that kind of shut down defensive production, and he's producing on offense as well, Riley's been really good, and he's part of that very good right side of the Toronto defense.
0: And third, but certainly not last, Sebastian Ho from the Carolina Hurricanes.
1: Yes, three goals, four assists, another seven points in the first or in three games. For the Hurricanes who have started quite well and it's uh, a lot down to Aho Um, I know there are two Ahus in the league or Sebastian Aho's in the league which I think is very funny but <laughs> Ka- Carolina are a team that again a lot has to go right for them to be a competitive team this year but Aho is one of those very exciting young players who doesn't maybe doesn't get quite the same amount of uh, covered to say the likes of Svechnikov gets yeah. out in Carolina but he's a really consistent points producer and he's a very consistent performer for them as well and uh, this is a good bit of reward for him uh, so we'll move on <coughs> sorry. sorry I was, I was going to cough okay there. It's better than last week anyway. I was sneezing all over the place. That's
0: right. Yeah, you're invited back down this week because you're you're <laughs> you're healthy. You're you're clear of the cold, and it is horrible when you have it. I completely it is get that. I should point out that it's not that you weren't invited down last week. We did have microphone problems, and it turned out that FaceTime was the the best way to record <laughs> the podcast. But anyway, let's move on to some games uh, coming up this week then. And you're particularly interested in the Penguins and the Maple Leafs. The Maple Leafs, I mean, they're looking good, like aren't they? They're.
1: They're absolutely looking good they're they're one of the teams that we said are going to be Stanley Cup contenders and so far all they've done is prove that we're prove right prove that right yeah um, yeah look as as i said earlier they've got excellent production from Austin Matthews he has seven consecutive multi-point games which is an outstanding way to start the season uh, and John Tavares living up to that star free agency billing he's just been outstanding for them whenever you've got that one two punch at center It means that teams just cannot sleep whenever you make those changes uh, to the lines. You know, you rotate that first line out and you think, oh great, Matthews has gone off the ice. And then all of a sudden you see John Tavares charging at you and you're like, not this guy. So that's where a lot of the success for the Toronto Maple Leafs has come from so far. Just that ability to roll lines and it's like there's been no change. Um, They lead the league in goals per game. With 480, 4.83, they're second on the power play with 41, 47.1% uh, of their power plays, resulting in goals. Uh, and I think home advantage is going to lead them to the win over the Penguins here. They're just not getting enough from Matt Murray to the extent that they've played Casey Smith more than they have played Murray so far this season. And we, we talked earlier in the year about how Pittsburgh have to keep shots off Murray. You have to deny those yes clear goal scoring opportunities and they haven't done that so far their defence just hasn't stepped up to the plate and I think that's one of the most disappointing things because you saw Chris Latang coming back for them and you thought well this is going to aid with their, with their defensive yeah. efforts it just hasn't happened so far um, and I think if they really want to be considered as Stanley Cup contenders they have to keep that defence on an elite level that they have over the past few years and they're, they're just not so far they're not giving Murray the coverage he needs
0: Hard to see anything but a Maple Leafs win in that game uh, then.
1: I'm going for Toronto I, I think it has to be they're, they're rolling so well the confidence is high um, and they're coming in off a big win over the Kings last night so I think things at the moment are going very well for them and I think it's going to continue yeah.
0: so that is pretty much it for this week's podcast and a few questions which will be answered next week first one will you be right with your prediction um, for, <laughs> for the ice hockey game we've just talked about will you be right second question will the Rams be 7-0 and what do you think yes you reckon so and last but stop, not least li-
1: stop getting me to make predictions because <laughs> the more I make the more I'm likely to be wrong
0: <laughs> last but not least who is going to be in the World Series You've called it before. You yeah, said Boston yeah, and Milwaukee. Are You're you sticking Milwaukee? with that.
1: I'll I'll stick with it for now. I think Houston have got the advantage in the ALCS, but for now I'll stick Boston and Boston Milwaukee. Boston could
0: come in. They could get one of those big blowouts. They could. You never know.
1: Boston are still that the best roster in the MLB. So these are all
0: these are all questions which will be answered in episode six of the uh, Sports Hub podcast. Don't forget if you want to uh, listen to us every week and get notified when the new podcasts are out and everything like that, you can subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, pretty much everywhere else. Um, I should get a list of all the other websites we're on and read it out at some point. I, I don't even know what they are. And of course, now we are on Twitter. We're going to be, I think we're going to be tweeting stuff about when we're doing the podcast. We'll maybe get some like listener questions and stuff yeah, like that too. We'll that, that'll be a cool thing to throw in. Yeah and uh, retweeting scores and all stuff like that it's kind of like it is a hub for US sports exactly. it's exactly what it is um, after that cheesy line are you going to come back next week and do it again? no no d- they're just I'm me next right. week yeah <laughs> um, Adam again thank you very much it's been very insightful a and pleasure we, as always we look forward to next week's podcast have a good week